Good morning, everybody. Uh, as Nathan said, I'm Sean. I just want to say that is fantastic, Margaret. It really is. May God bless you. So, we uh, turn back again to Galatians. And as you can see on the screen, Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 to 24. We will read them in a few minutes, but uh, I just want to reset the scene, as it were. It's been a, a few weeks since we've talked on Galatians. And uh, so we've established that Paul, um, who wrote the letter to the Galatians, has a great concern because certain folk had come from Jeru the Jerusalem church and they were teaching a gospel, a message that was different to the one he had preached. They, uh, they were called Judaizers and they believed that a number of ceremonial practices of the Old Testament were still binding on the New Testament church. This included things like circumcision, it was to do with special days, special foods, those kind of things. And they had been arguing that uh, Paul had removed these legal requirements from the gospel to make it more appealing to the uh, church in Galatia and the other Gentile places he had gone to. Um, they were, in a sense, according to Paul, adding uh, a yoke of the Jewish law uh, to the freedom of the gospel. And as I, I said a few weeks ago when I was introducing Galatians, Paul was livid. Uh, you know, he was really, really angry about these, uh, these Jews that were coming in and were taking away the freedom. They were uh, ruining what God had done in these churches. And so this book to uh, the Galatians and many other of his uh, letters as well, he wrote to uh, quash, to dispel uh, the, what, has been, what has been said to the church, but also to, to reveal, to, to declare his authority for the message he'd brought. So we're going to read now uh, the f those verses from Galatians, and they will come up on the screen. We'll, we'll start, there we go. So, starting at verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, 
was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus, and then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they praise God because of me. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have it, that we can read it freely. We can, we can possess Bibles with your word. And Lord, I pray as we've read your word, as we just dig into it a little bit this morning, I pray that it would reach into our hearts and bring about the transformation that it, is, it, it will do because it is your word to us, Lord. I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive more of you and that we would continue to be transformed into your likeness, I pray. Amen. Okay, so in Galatians 1, verse 1, we read that Paul declares his apostleship is from God. That God had called him to bring this message to the Gentiles. That God had anointed him personally. He, he had met with God. And now, turning from his apostleship, he now turns to the, his message being from God. And as I was reading this through, I kind of got this picture of a courtroom scene. Imagine it. A courtroom with a judge, uh, with a jury. You've got uh, Paul as the defense barrister. He's defending what? He is defending his message. He's defending his gospel. His gospel is on trial and he is going to uh, bring as it were, through these verses, a number of uh, alibis or reasons why the accusations against it are false. That he didn't make it up. He didn't hear it from others. It wasn't Chinese whispers, so that he heard, heard it from someone who had heard it from someone who had heard it from someone. But actually that he had heard it directly from Jesus Christ. That it wasn't a gospel that was watered down to, uh, so that the Gentiles would like it more, that they would accept it more. It, it hadn't missed out on bits that should have been in it so that it seemed a bit more nice and easier to cope with. So Paul, standing as a barrister in this courtroom, is making his case for the gospel he preached. As I mentioned... He brings 
three alibis, which we will look at in a little while. But the truth of this passage of Scripture is vital to us. Why do I say that? Well, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, again a letter written by Paul, Paul declares this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. If this gospel that Paul is teaching is made up, is watered down, has been passed on from others, then it, does not, it is not the power of God. It is not from God. But if it is from God, and we have that same gospel here, then it is the power of God. It is God's plan revealed to all of us. So let's hear Paul's defense. Verses 11 and 12 are, in a sense, his opening statement. It's the truth he is going to prove. He's telling them that his gospel is directly from God. His message was given him by Jesus. That it is not made up. This is all in verses 11 and 12. That it was not passed on or taught to him, but actually he heard it directly from Jesus. Now Paul knew what it meant to be taught. He had grown up as a Jew, as a Pharisee. He'd been to, uh, as it were, college or university with uh, a man called Gamaliel, who was one of the uh, chief uh, teachers, the best teachers. So Paul knew what it meant to hear the traditions that had been passed on. He knew what it meant to be taught. And here he says, I was not taught this message, but got it from God. So moving on then to verses 13 and 14. Now they, they, these two verses are so packed with so much information for us, but we can pick up some of the things that are in it. Paul was a fanatical Jew. He was beyond most of his contemporaries. He was excelling in Judaism. He had persecuted the church uh, before he, put, he met with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had imprisoned many Christians. He had striven to destroy the church. He had put people, Christians, to death. He was, from all, from outside appearances, more likely to have included Judaism into the gospel than probably anybody else. 
He was for the traditions of his fathers. He had grown up with it. He knew it better than most. And you would have thought if anyone was going to add in bits of the law, it was Paul. Paul wasn't into watering things down. You know, he, he had learnt and he had stuck to what he had been taught. He, didn't, he wasn't a wishy-washy, oh, well, I'll take a bit of that and I'll leave a bit of that. I won't go down that route. But actually, so he took this into his preaching of the gospel. No watering down, you can imagine, would have been part of his motto. Again, then we move on into verses 15 and 16. And I really got caught just on this, the start of verse 15. I was asked what I might call this preach this morning. And the first three words of verse 15 really, really jumped out at me. But when God. It struck me so powerfully. Consider this. If a man such as Paul, who had persecuted and looked to destroy the church, a man who was so tied up in the traditions of his fathers from his birth, if a man such as Paul can be transformed by God, anybody anybody can be consider your own struggles for a moment maybe sickness unsaved loved ones financial troubles even your concern for national or international troubles but when God when God intervenes all these things can be transformed Just take a moment to notice the difference between verses 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. The first two, verses 13 and 14, Paul says this, My previous way of life, I persecuted the church, I tried to destroy it, I was advancing and I was extremely zealous. And yet, in verses 15 and 16, after the but when God, God set me apart from birth. God called me by His grace and God revealed His Son in me. Here is the transformation in our lives. It's from I to Him. God transforms us from being inward looking at what we can do or the struggles we're going through to Him, to our eyes set on Him, of what He has done and what He can do both through us and you know, outward using us. Again, there is so much to look at here. It was God who chose Paul. Paul didn't choose God. God chose him. From when? 
from his birth. It was God's grace. It wasn't Paul's actions. It couldn't have been. He was out to persecute the church. Jesus actually asked him on the, word, on the, on the road to Damascus, why are you persecuting me? Paul was against the gospel. He was against the church. It can only have been God's grace that that revelation came. God revealed Jesus to Paul. Paul could not see Jesus in the Scriptures, although he was there. Throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah would come. Paul knew those Scriptures, but he could not see Jesus. He was blind. But God the Father revealed Jesus to him. And then God commissioned Paul to go to the Gentiles. I mentioned that we were going to look at three alibis for why Paul was declaring his gospel as from God and the truth. We have slide nine there, David. Okay. So, this first alibi we can find in verses 16b through to 17. We see here a, a map. It shows, I hope most of you can read it. It shows where Jerusalem is. It shows where Damascus is, where Paul first met Jesus. And then over on the right-hand side, we have a large, fairly blank area that says Arabia. Paul declares, I did not consult anyone, but went into Arabia. So, for a three-year period, Paul was either in Arabia or he had returned to Damascus, but he had not spent any time consulting or getting to know the gospel that had already been preached, that was being declared in the churches in Judea. This was an opportune time, three years, where Paul went and studied the Scriptures. He spent time with God. He was listening to the Holy Spirit's Spirit, transforming his mindset, revealing through the Old Testament Scriptures who Jesus was and what he'd come to achieve. It was a time when Paul went from being legalistic to free in Christ. And some would have argued that this three-year period of solitude, in a sense, spent with God was a match to the three years that the uh, first apostles had spent with Jesus as he'd uh, walked the earth. So the, the twelve disciples. So his first alibi is, I did not meet with anyone for three years to discuss this gospel. I only spent the time with God. So moving on then to slide... Well, we'll stay, we'll stay on that slide just momentarily, David. Alibi 2 then is found in verses 18 to 19. 
It talks about how he went from Damascus to Jerusalem. So again, you can see, oh, back again, Damascus, then back down to Jerusalem. Now, so he's gone back into Judea. Now you might think, oh, maybe he'd gone to spend time with the apostles. He was, he was going to work through this gospel. He believed God had told him, but that is not what we read here. That's not what Paul declares in the defense of his gospel. He says it was a very brief visit. In fact, it was 15 days. He's saying it was so short, there was no time to work through these issues. It was not a time to be learning lots of things. But actually, what does he say? A little bit of Greek here. Paul declares uh, that when we might say visit, some versions of the Bible say Paul visited. It's a, a Greek word, historio. And uh, the definition is, is used here, which means to gain knowledge of by visiting of a distinguished person to become personally acquainted with, to know face to face. So Paul has said he, he historio to Jerusalem to spend time with Peter. It wasn't a, an attempt to go and learn from Peter. It was a, he was going just to get to know who Peter was, to spend a little bit of time to get acquainted with him. It wasn't about you know, the ins and outs of Scripture. It was about getting to know the man. And apart from spending a bit of time with Peter, he only met James, who was the leader of the Jerusalem church. But even that is just a throwaway. Oh, and I just met James. Didn't meet any of the other apostles. So his, his second alibi is that the gospel that he had received, he definitely didn't receive teaching on it during this short period of time in Jerusalem. So then we move on then to his third alibi, and we'll go, we'll go straight to slide, oh, slide 10 first. So that just shows you the uh, eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. We can just about make out Arabia in the bottom right corner, then Jerusalem just above from that. And you should go up, it says Syria and Cilicia. Go next slide, please. There we go. So Syria and Cilicia. So this is now Paul saying his final argument that actually having spent 15 days, only 15 days in Jerusalem, he then went all the way up north. He disappeared away completely from the Judean churches to Syria. We know, we read about Paul being in Antioch. Tarsus is where he was born. The arrows actually indicate his first missionary journey. But actually, Paul wasn't in any of the Judean churches. He wasn't in Jerusalem at all. So he couldn't have learnt what the uh, Judean churches were teaching at all because he was nowhere near them. He even states in his, this final uh, alibi that he was actually unknown by the Judean churches. They hadn't visited them. They didn't know, know him uh, since he was saved. However, they had heard what had happened in his life and they worshipped God because of this transformation. 
So final slide then. How do we conclude all of this? So we have a Bible here. And yes, it's been translated. And yes, it was originally written 2,000 years ago plus. Yes, it was written in a different culture. But if we take what Paul is saying here, then we have God's gospel for us. We have God's message to us. The declaration of who Jesus was what he did for us. This isn't tradition past word of mouth years and years and years. It isn't Chinese whispers. But it is the gospel that Paul preached that he declared was directly from Jesus. Just a a little aside here. Some of you may have heard me say this in the past. At, uh, when I was 25 years old, I knew everything. I did. I knew everything. I knew all the scriptures in a sense that I knew what they all meant. I knew probably pretty much what God had planned for me. And uh, over the years, I've realized that when I was 25, I knew very little. I didn't have all the knowledge of the Scriptures. I didn't know what they all meant. But over the years, and I'm not saying that I know them all now, but what I'm saying is that over the years, I've spent time digging into them. I've read them over and over. I've brought them before God. I have read commentaries. I have listened to other people preaching what is in that book. And I believe, I know, some of my opinions have changed from when I was 25. What I'm trying to say here is that actually we need to each of us be digging in to this book, to be reading the Gospels, to be reading what God has given us. We need to be seeking Him to understand it more fully. Why? Going back to that Verse in Romans, which, uh, which is now up on the screen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It is God's power in His gospel. It declares elsewhere in the New Testament that when the gospel was shared, God came in power. He performed miracles because it was Revealing that he, the gospel that was being preached was of Him. God's power is in, the gospel, in His gospel to transform, to save, even those as bad as Paul. And we need to get it into our hearts. We need to receive it. We need to live it. We need to declare it to others because it is the power of God for our salvation and for everyone else we meet. And then finally, I've gone back to those three little words. But when God. If God's power can transform Paul, if his message could reach into a heart like 
Paul's and transform it. It can. It can transform anyone. No one is beyond it. Those people that you've been praying for for years, those loved ones, maybe family, friends, neighbours, work colleagues, it is, they are not beyond the power of the gospel. If God is involved, all things are possible. And God's power is available to build His church and to bring Him glory. It's a sign of His favour, of His gospel being preached and lived out. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the, the simplicity of the gospel, the beauty of it, that You, Lord Jesus, chose to die on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And as I have accepted You as my Lord and Saviour, so my sins are washed away. Not only that, as if that wasn't enough, You have made me a child of God. It's so simple, the Gospel. Believing in Jesus Christ. Receiving Him as Lord and Saviour. Accepting His sacrifice on our behalf. Acknowledging that we are sinners. But His, his sacrifice is enough. Receiving Him. Knowing God as Father. So wonderful, Lord. I pray for, for this, the people here, Lord. I pray that that knowledge would break into our hearts, whether we've been, you know, it would just transform us more and more, that we would live it. If we, for those who maybe are still unsure, I pray there would be fresh revelation this morning that they would receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We just thank you, Lord. I want to give you all the glory and say we love you. Amen.